a Pitlane Punters production. Hunters podcast. We've got a fantastic show lined up for you. The Bathurst 500 has been run and done. Uh, the first round of the Supercast Championship this year. Got a bit of rally news for you as well. Something a little bit different, of course. Yeah, there is a lot of news going on in world motorsport. We'll be chatting about Formula One, WEC, and NASCAR too. Uh, but first up, we are going to kick off with a fantastic interview. Uh, we've got it's, uh, we've got some special guests. It's something a little bit different. The Canberra Festival Speed is on this weekend, and we have Martin and Peter, the directors of Project Supercars, who are the guys who are going to be running that event. We're going to chat to them straight off the bat. Here we go. Welcome to the podcast now. G'day, lads. How are we doing? Good, good. How are you guys? Thanks for having us on. Hey, our pleasure. Um, you guys actually have just come from somewhere quite interesting, the Arboretum here in Canberra. Um, what was going on there? Yeah, so uh, we had a we had a bit of a unique scenario happening today. So um, we had the, the the 88 Lola F1 car rock into Canberra, um, and we thought there would be a good opportunity to to see it roaring on the on the road. So uh, next minute we have the the V8 supercar of Cam Hills, uh, Aston Martin, and uh, and a and a F1 car. Uh, uh, going down a, a road, up and down a, a road in a in a blocked off uh, street circuit, so to speak, and getting to getting to open it up full throttle. So it was pretty um pretty extraordinary to to see and hear, to be honest. So uh, we definitely yeah. that water, more more nah, it, was, that. it was good. Thank yeah, Josh. Uh, it was it was impressive. It's the first time ever that F1 cars not only had its tyres on the ground in Canberra, but also been fired up and. To see it go down the hill and and lift off and get the the pops and crackles and then him shift up through the gears it was just like we were just standing there thinking oh. how is how have we done this how is this possible can't believe it and then obviously yeah cam hill there with his v8 supercar and once again the first time in 23 years that a v8 supercar has been in canberra i don't know if you guys were around when the gmc 400 and 500 was on um but yeah many many years so incredible bit of an activation we had on for filming they do. Uh, they have. They have corrected us on on having the V8 supercar at Summer Nats, but it's it's not in, not in the same um not in the same concept. So yeah. uh, doing a burnouting one and and actually at roaring down down the street is is a little bit different. So absolutely. Did seeing those cars run up and down the streets of the Arboretum today give you guys a bit of a t- taste of going, wow, we've actually done this, and this is what it's going to be like on the weekend. Yeah, it was it was really a, a to be honest, it was a bit of a surreal moment to to actually sit there and and take in what was happening is is a pretty monumental uh, yeah monumental for us um, seeing from where where we've come what we what the vision's always been and to to see that happen was was something that we we're obviously proud of but um, also pinching ourselves a little bit going Massive, is yeah. it actually happening <laughs> so when the Formula One car starts up no matter who you are what motorsport discipline you come from. A Formula One car is a Formula One car, and Cam Hill was even there looking at the cockpit, looking through the steering wheel, through the buttons, and I, I passed a comment to Cam. I said, "Cam, F F one F one car is an F one car, isn't it?" And he goes, "Yeah, it is." So, you know, it's everyone, every child's dream. Everyone wants to drive an F one car. Every every boy, you know, every girl. So, 
Yeah, it was just incredible. The the smell, the the goosebumps of, of yeah. hearing it is just absolutely next level. Just the smell, the smell of the tires, the smell of the petrol, the sound, like the way it flows. It's just everything about the also the the artistry that is starting one up. You need four guys to start the car up, and it's a preheat process. The car has to be started up, and it's it's a full on it's a full on operation just to get one started. So. I've had the good fortune of hearing that car in action at Mount Panorama last year, and I, I can yeah. confirm it's probably one of the sweetest racing cars I've I've ever heard. Um, obviously yeah. we've had Cam Hill on board um as an ambassador this year, and uh, he's chosen a pretty good time to have his personal best weekend at Mount Panorama last weekend, hasn't he? We we couldn't believe it, like putting it on fourth, but then obviously on Sunday getting a bit of a rear ender, which I actually spoke to Cam, and uh, it was a bit of a squeeze into turn one, so he was kind of just a sitting duck unfortunate for him but he had a good run man i think we're going to see some good stuff from cam this year well deserved cam's been a pretty pretty big supporter of us for, for some time now like uh it, there's also some connections there through uh thunderbolt, thunderbolt run guys um so we've we've we definitely caught up with cam a few times and he's always been a big supporter of us and what we've been trying to do so it was um it was really it was really Cool to have him on board um, in in that capacity as an ambassador for us this year. Yeah, for sure. We were chatting to him last week about it on the podcast as well, and he's super keen that something, an event like this and to the calibre of this is here uh, in in Canberra. As we mentioned, we've had the supercars previously. Summer Nats is a, is, a, is a common thing. The ARC's been here. The Rally of Canberra's been here for a long time. But let's, let's roll back the clock a little bit. How did the idea for Canberra's Festival Speed come about? And I guess tell us a little bit about the journey of how you got it from like sort of concept to like here on paper, it's happening, Thoroughbred Park this weekend, it's happening. <laughs> so also, it's not a big one, but I'm keen to hear it. I'll I'll, I'll butt in quickly because Martin's got a bigger a backstory, so I'll let I'll let him go with it just to 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 give you a, a brief synopsis as far as the the relationship with me and Martin going to to one of these cars and coffee events. Is where that I guess this, this, the the bromance kind of started, and um, we're we're definitely car people, and we're we're not just we're not just owners, we're we're enthusiasts, and we we love cars, and we we work on the cars. Like mm. to to give you an idea, we've been working on Martin's car for the last <laughs> three days in a row, getting his engine engine back in the car uh, for the event. So um, we're we're quite heavy hands on, and and that's as soon as we started talking about cars and what we do. Um, we kind of saw that we ha- we had similar visions of what we wanted to do, and together we we saw, we saw that there was an opportunity to to progress things further. So that's that's where we kind of set off for the last four years. But then I'll let Martin talk talk the backstory and and I'll bring this up. up there was uh, in Queanbeyan about twenty years ago, right next to where Kmart is, there's a car park, and they had Ferraris, a GT40, an old Diablo, some open wheeled race cars in a car park, and they had cones set up. And they were doing like a a circuit. And I remember being, what, like six, seven years old and going there thinking, oh, this is incredible. Like, you always go to car shows and they're always static. Like, the cars don't move. And at the Auto Italia, I was always the kid that would run, sprint to the the street and see the cars leave. So I guess uh, maybe six years ago when I I got my Lamborghini, um, Peter had one as well. Yeah, the 360 yeah, uh, the on the piece. Yep, yep. Yeah, so I got the Gallardo well, seven years ago, and um, we started going on drives and connecting with people, and that would have been in 2016 up in Sydney, Canberra, and, and the network just grew, and like-minded people came together, 
And pretty much what happened is it it just grew into what we have now. Each year it was getting bigger and bigger to the point where um, Pete came on board what, four years ago at least. Yeah, four and a bit years ago. Crazy. And yeah. um, Pete came to, I think it was my second or third one. Um, and pretty much since then, as, as further to what he said, we, we just, we've taken this path together uh, in, in growing what we've had and what we're doing now. So we're living that dream of, that seven-year-old kid actually getting to see these cars that he doesn't get to see. Like you're six or seven years old. Your dad's not going to fly you to, to England to see Goodwood Festival of Speed or maybe as a kid, I would never even go to the F1. Uh, my dad would never take me to the F1. So that at the back of my mind, in the back of our mind, it's like how can we bring something to, to the people that are less fortunate to go really do some massive travel and to see these cars that so we'll just bring it to Canberra and, yeah, our network trusts us and we're doing the right thing by them and, and the event's going to be a massive success. For sure. And there's over 200 cars uh, that are going to be there this weekend, all ranging from, you know, Nissan Skylines all the way through to some of those Lamborghinis and, and, and famous race cars as well. That's such a wide net of cars, I guess. Where where does this sort of network come together to, to be able to pull, like, is it car clubs, like, all across the country that you've sort of mates you've made along the way or, or how's that sort of happened? Yeah. It's mates that I mentioned from six, seven years ago that trust us to do to do events. And then what happens is they tell more people, and this is a trade secret I'm giving you away right now. So, <laughs> um, so the network grows, and if you keep doing the right thing, and it, it ends up where we are now. So, yeah, no, literally, the, we just we created relationships, and we have we have had the the luxury of of creating some some great friendships um, with with a, a, a group of of Canberra locals and um, the, the the Peter Siemper and his, and his family. So there's been some pretty cool people um, in Canberra that have that, is, that have helped us excel us and 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 bring bring cars. Like we're talking about, some of these guys have have, have organised or brought 10, 20 cars. So it's it's quite it's quite important to to have these people on board because they they definitely have a, a web of of contacts and friends that that all all kind of interconnect so when when you when you create that small spark it's it's just taken off and and created a a bushfire so to speak so we're we're in the position where we've now got contacts further and far, uh, than we than we could have imagined and building those relationships and people people trust at what we're doing and and, and appreciate what we're trying to bring and, and do so it's it's been um it's been a journey but it's also been quite rewarding and and we've definitely developed some friends i bet you have and obviously it's highlighted by um, having plenty of race cars this weekend. You've got yeah, a lot of your open wheel cars and, of course, Cam Hill's uh, Gen 3 Camaro. But it's not just the race cars this weekend, is it? There's a whole heap of luxury road cars that are going both on display and on the track as well. Yeah, I'll, I'll go back to what you said about the open wheelers. That's a bit of a point from, that I make a lot. Um, I'm starting open wheelers and Pete's kind of, we always, I always, I'm always naturally going towards more, race cars and Pete's like, no, we pull it back. We need to get some, some more supercars. I love a supercar. <laughs> loves a race car. We both love, love we both cross yeah. over, but it's great that we have a bit of our own stream too. So yeah, we, so. we focus on, on certain things. So yeah. it works well. But, 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 but what you were saying is um, there's a lot, there's a lot more going on. We have, like I said, it's, it's an event that we try to, to feature from Europe, um, from the Goodwood Festival of Speed. So what we're doing is we have a whole European food village there. It's actually, you can, you can have Italian food, you can have German food, you can have a whole bunch of different flavors from different countries, as well as, you know, some Aperol spritz, some drinks. 
Um, and there's trade stalls as well. We've got, I think it's 25 or so trade stalls. No, the number. Yeah. Number, but quality trade stalls. We've we've uh, curated the trade stalls that will be there. They're all motorsport, higher end, trade sport related. How important was was it for you to make sure that this wasn't just a a, a car show that it actually had that more of these um, things like your food stalls, like your trade to actually make it a proper event? Well, it, it is massively important. You, you want people to come and enjoy the the time there. And you don't want them to just you don't want people just to come and just walk around, look at the cars, and then go. Like you, you, you go, you go to cars and coffee, and they're, they're always, they're always a lot of fun. But you, you have your people that that drive in, they're there for, for 10, 20 minutes, and then they yeah, go. And you have people that that stay for ages. So it, it really, um, it's it's one of those things you want to create an environment where people are going to want to stay there, and you can actually have a bite to eat. You can you can unwind a little bit, and then go back and and see something else or do something else. So it's it was quite important to to create a, a proper atmosphere rather than just. A sta- uh, just a car show mm. just rolling back on you guys mentioned cars and coffee now some people who haven't been involved in car club culture or anything before can you explain a little bit about i guess what that is so it's pretty much you grab a coffee go for a drive talk about cars so it's pretty simple some of the cars it? coffees <laughs> yeah some of the car coffee events you don't even go for a drive afterwards so when we first started doing them it was actually you'd meet for coffee and then you would go somewhere drive mm. And then have lunch as well. So yeah, the, the cars and coffee culture is, is awesome. Personally, I love it. I think it's it's great for for cars for any kinds of cars. Um, and yeah, we just wanted to extend that a bit a bit further, a bit more active. For sure. And and you guys are partnered with Thoroughbred Park um, here in Canberra, and you've managed to get a track pretty much built from scratch, Nelly. Um, how did you guys manage to pull off that partnership? And I guess what sort of ideas went into the layout of the track? Oh, that's that's a that's a good question. I, I guess um, the the initial the initial reach out happened from Thoroughbred after our, our event uh, last year, um, in regards to potentially doing the same event there, um, and then me, myself and Martin went went to the venue, and the, the first thing we started looking at is the, there's there's room here to 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 build something that we can drive some cars on. And then that conversation went very different to what they were expecting. And then <laughs> next minute, where Martin and myself were sitting there just taking aerial aerial shots from Google Earth and and drawing drawing tracks on where where we'd like to go, what we'd like to do. And then next minute, we've we've presented like five or six options and going, this is what we would want to do here. And they're like, oh wow, like yeah. It was definitely a bit of a, a bit of a shock a shock moment, but excitement for them going. Okay, we're thinking we're thinking something big. And At that point, you go, you've got your vision and your inspira- your inspiration and and your aspirations, and you then put the plan forward, and then you realise how hard it is to do it, how challenging it is. It's it's twelve months, like it's not a couple of weeks. There's so many things involved that people wouldn't even think of uh, are a part of getting something like this done so and we've, we're definitely fortunate to have the the thoroughbred park guys have, have have welcomed us in with open arms to not just the the upper management but to the whole crew so and that's made a, a massive massive difference to to how we achieve and how we can make this a successful event because we've had their staff all help us massively absolutely i'm sure they they have been a great help one uh, last one from me is 
there's plenty of these high quality cars there apart from the ones we've already mentioned off like your f1s and your open wheelers and your supercars which is each of yours favorite car that you're going to see on track across the weekend so Can't be your su- own surprising yeah um fair 500 now um (laughs) so pretty much we've had a late entry um i don't know if you've heard but adrian portelli's bringing his uh, mclaren center down and the p1 and the p1 so obviously i'm a big driver for open wheelers so then that links up anton center massive fan myself yeah and then you've got obviously the mclaren center so I'm the ACT Ferrari rep. Peter's the ACT Lambo rep. Yeah. I shouldn't be saying this, but it's the, the McLaren. McLaren. <laughs> Fair enough. A very impressive piece of machinery. Yeah, yeah, really. Yeah. So Martin's had the luxury of being up close to one before. I I haven't, so um, I'm I'm pretty pumped to, yeah. to see it to be honest. So yeah. um, I've 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 I set up a. a a gaming rig for my son for his birthday last year and we'll just we just managed to buy a center the other day on forza horizon so we've been butting around on that <laughs> flat out so we're just we're, we're pumped for the weekend and you boys have seen them all they've got the glass in the the door and stuff like that yeah, yeah. i'm interested i'm interested actually to know if i if i may um yes. each one of yours your favorite cars i'll start with zach oh I mean, there's a, there's a running joke here. The, the boys are going to be in on it, but I'm keen to see the S5000s out on track again. Okay. Um, I, I think yeah. the, the boys can explain further, but um, yeah, yeah, no, I, I do miss seeing those out on track and that, that they, I no just doubt. love how those things shake every single bone in your body and <laughs> get rid of all the, get rid of all the arthritic stuff. So um, yeah. yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing an S5000 oh, cool. back out on track. Um, Zach's a bit Josh- of a speed series fanboy. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, um, I'm a big Porsche fan. The old Porsche 996s. Oh, 996. Yeah. Yeah. This guy. I got a 996. Yeah. It's a cool car. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It. That's that's definitely the poster car for me. Yeah. Awesome. And I, I love all of them. Having re- read through the list, there's a lot there. But there was one, uh, the Lotuses. I I do like my old lotuses so i'm looking forward to see them go around over the weekend as well very very diverse diverse answers like that's that's cool we're an eclectic bunch here on the pit lane partners that's good that's good that's five thousand lotus uh 996 yeah, very cool, very cool. But you'll take the F40 and the P4 and all that. Just, oh, yeah, I'll throw them in. If you got her, I guess. <laughs> uh, Peter, Martin, thank you so much uh, for your time this evening. Um, it's going to be really, really exciting this weekend for the, uh, the Canberra Festival of Speed. And Project Supercars is, is your project and it's been running the show. So I'm really excited to see uh, how this one turns out. Again, thank you for your time, guys, and looking forward to seeing you on the Appreciate weekend. It, guys. Thank you so much for the time and the opportunity. Thank you, yeah. is. Awesome. No worries. I'll have to catch you for a ride in that 996, mate. Yeah, for sure. Anytime. <laughs> All right. It's a date. Thanks, mate. <laughs> See you, guys. <laughs> have a good one, guys. You too. Well, that was Peter and Martin, the two directors of the Canberra Festival of Speed, joining us ahead of what is going to be a mammoth couple of days of motorsport at Thoroughbred Park in Canberra this weekend. Boys, how keen are you to be part of it? Tell you what, it's going to be super exciting. We are doing the PA and the broadcasting, I guess, internally uh, for the event. So there's going to be uh, 
Anthony and Zach, you guys on the Saturday, and Zach and myself on the Sunday. It's going to be really, really cool. Uh, we get to walk around, uh, interviewing people about their cars, checking out cool cars. Um, I, I'm super excited. Something we haven't really done before as a crew. Um, so um, it's going to be good to see how we how we manage to pull it off. It's going to be like playing in amongst your um your life size Hot Wheels collection from when you're a kid, won't it? It's it's just such a cool event and. You know, bringing Goodwood down under, let alone to Canberra. I mean, how lucky for us that we're here already and we've been amongst it. I mean, Josh and Josh and I have sort of seen the things, um, seen the whole event, but begin began to be set up. Um, I haven't seen any cars there yet, but um, uh, tomorrow I'm sure we will. Um, yeah, uh, just so exciting. I can't wait. And a quick fun fact before we move on that. Uh, the boys mentioned in the chat with us is that Adrian Portelli bringing his McLaren Senna, he made world news last year when he craned that thing up to a 57th floor penthouse in one of the new apartments being made or being built in Melbourne. So presumably it's had to be craned out again to be brung to Canberra this weekend for the Festival of Speed. So I can't wait to see that go round track. <laughs> Maybe he's just got two. Well, if it works for Kenny Habul, I think it works for anyone. And on that note, I think we should move into our supercars chat from last weekend. Uh, Zach, the Bathurst 500 on the weekend. The first round of the Supercars Championship has been run and done. What'd you make of it? Uh, yes, the good old contractual obligation 500 at Mount Panorama Bathurst. It, it, it was a bit of a mare weekend, wasn't it, boys? Uh, um, no one turned up. The racing didn't really turn it on. Super 2 went as full Super 2 as they could have possibly gone. Um, yeah, not not really the, 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 the bang to the season that Supercars has become so accustomed to in recent years with events like Adelaide and Newcastle. Yeah, the numbers were down from the 12 era, and I think that was always to be expected. Like... Uh, for many people, Bathurst is the Holy Grail, and it's the Bathurst 1000. So the the remarks I got from a couple of the drivers that I'd spoken to across the weekend were all like, yes, it's always cool to be at Bathurst, but at the same time, it takes away from the 1000 if we're racing here more than once a year in a supercar. Yes, we've got the 12 hour, and that's its whole different race, but to come here and do a second supercars race at the beginning of the year that doesn't really mean much there's no big fan base it's some of them said to me it feels like we're ticking a box yeah for sure and i think we were chatting about numbers um a little bit earlier on before off air excuse me um the bathurst 12 hour fifty thousand people over the entire weekend um which was the biggest uh i guess crowd they've had uh in history just about and um uh anthony you were there on site and you said it was a significantly the numbers were significantly down at the Bathurst 500 weekend when the supercars rolled out. That's exactly what supercars were doing, right? The destination New South Wales contract the season has to start in New South Wales. It was either that or start at Sydney Motorsport Park, and I guess people still have SMP fever from when that became supercars home during the COVID years in 2020 and 2021. So, um, yeah, for me, whenever you're holding a race meeting at Bathurst, it has to be special. Right, like the Bathurst 1000, it's Australia's great race, right? Enough said. 
The 12 hours quickly gathering a reputation as one of the world's best GT races. You got the six hour at Easter, which has become the family friendly, you know, weekend away over Easter. And while we're at it, let's have a six hour production car race for the weekend warriors of production car racing. Um, the Bathurst Internationals trying to get it done with TCR World Tour, but now that's not coming back this year. Is that event special anymore? Probably not. And the 500s, uh, to be brutally honest, it's the worst of the bunch. There was nothing special about that weekend at all. No, you're right. And I, and I do recall uh, last year when we were talking about it, when this calendar was announced, I was like, my opinion was that I'd rather be racing at Bathurst than at Sydney Motorsport Park. Um Ideally, well, I don't know. They were both bad options, I, I feel, for the opener. Because I find Sydney Motorsport Park isn't very special either for the opening round. But maybe we're just so used and accustomed to the major events like the Adelaide 500 that has kind of been and gone and in the bygone era now. The thing for me, though, is that Sydney Motorsport Park, it has two different characteristics, right? It's got the character it has during the day, which is, you know, a racing circuit that's next to a rubbish tip in Western Sydney. <laughs> but then you turn the lights on. And the place becomes special, right? I mean, we were all there um, for the last Sydney Super Night last year, halfway through the season, and that was a genuinely good event. Like, the vibe on Saturday was really good. So why don't supercars do something different? And, you know, a night race to start the season. They did it a few years ago, but it was 250k races. It was probably too long. So why don't supercars come out and have, like, say, like a sprint weekend or, like, have a Speedway-style format where you have heat races? Just something different because... At the moment, nothing can stand up to be that marquee street event to start the season, especially not in New South Wales now that Newcastle City Council have um, put put a pin in it. But we also see it in Formula One as well. They, they're starting their first two rounds in the upcoming weeks with uh, back-to-back night races over in the Middle East. So why isn't it something that supercars look at and um, jump into and have a look at and see whether they could do it? Why would it? This year would have been the right year for me to do it as a test, I reckon. I don't reckon there was anything to lose. It's the format, I think, is the big issue. Um, Like, Bathurst, once the cars all sort of spread out, it's one of the larger tracks on our calendar. Um, So one, And there's less cars than there was 10 years ago, or, or say, when they used to do the sprint round at Bathurst, there's significantly less cars than what they used to be. And so, mate, once they spread out, that's it. You're just watching cars go around and around till someone makes a mistake. So maybe I, I wish they did. Uh, you know, maybe four 100 kilometer races, no pit stops even. Oh, but then you see, you do the exact same thing yeah. next next round at the Grand Prix anyway, right? So the thing that Bathurst is is that it's perfectly suited for endurance racing, right? The character of the circuit and the the way that different cars behave at at Mount Panorama, it just lends itself perfectly to endurance racing where you have time for things to build, right? We saw it at the 12-hour, um, we saw it at the 12-hour just last weekend before the Bathurst 500. Um, we didn't see it so much at the 1,000 last year, but um, you see it at the 6-hour even, right? So um, just, just Bathurst doesn't work for sprint racing unless it is, like you say, Josh, a short, sharp, no-pit-stop sprint like we see with TCR World Tour. For sure, but I guess some of the main points that came out of the weekend, um, Red Bull looked good, um, Waters and Tickford, other than uh, resurgent, I guess, uh, Randall on the Sunday, not quite good, but Erebus was sort of all right. Yeah, the Tickford issue was a bit of a bit of an interesting one, but it's since come out that Cam Waters was not 100% uh, uh, 
medical wise. He was uh, feeling a bit under the weather and had a bit of a rough weekend uh, in the car as well. Obviously, the the spindle came off his left front on Saturday's race, and he had to complete half a lap uh, or three quarters of a lap even with uh, three wheels on the car. So that's never a good sign. But um, yeah, Tickford on Sunday, Tommy Randall came back, and Cam was a bit better on Sunday, but not where he'd like to be up the front uh, fighting for a championship like the resurgent Chas Mostert was. Well, is Cam Waters' championship over before it even began? He's 192 points off championship leader Will Brown already. That's a lot of ground to make up over a season. Um, I know that the endurance races are worth 300 points, but then again, as we saw last year with Cam, if you DNF from a from an endurance race, that's zero points when someone else picks up 300. So... Uh, he's uh, he's in a bit of trouble, I think, at the moment, Cam Waters. But you, you've just got to look at the team's championship to sort of get an understanding of, of how the weekend went. You've got Triple Eight, who are head and shoulders above of everyone else. But then look at who's second and third in team's points. You've got Grove Racing in second, who had... Well, Richie Stanaway had an outstanding performance on Saturday. And in third place, it's Matt Stone Racing. Where did that come from? Well, they came out of the blocks firing, and Cam Hill's qualifying performance on Saturday highlighted that. First time inside the top 10, he snuck in in uh, what was originally ninth, and then got bumped up to 8th with the unfortunate um, grid drop for Ryan Wood, who didn't slow down enough under yellows at the end of the session. But he then went out in the shootout, and I spoke to him in between quality in the shootout. I was like, what are you going to go out and do in the shootout? Like, do you just drive around, make sure you don't bin the thing, or do you have a genuine crack? He goes, I'll find the line in the middle somewhere and, and have a bit of a push. And talking to him on Saturday night after the race and asking him what the shootout was like, he goes, it was absolutely incredible to get this place to yourself for a lap or three laps even, by the time you do your outlap and your inlap as well, he said, that thing was wild. And I actually pushed probably a bit more than what I wanted to. But at the end of the day, I, I was better off for it. And uh, yeah, so he was uh, really happy with that. An unfortunate day for him on Sunday. And he left the weekend 12th in the championship himself. But already strong signs from Matt Stone Racing. For sure, for sure. But uh, talking about, I guess, the weekend that's been, shall we sit back and take a look and see how we did with some of our predictions? Yeah, let's do it. And we'll start with, let's start with Josh's bold prediction. Erebus was going to get a podium this weekend. Yeah, didn't do uh, quite well with that one. But I don't think the weekend was as bad from Erebus as what... uh, what everyone was going to make it out to be. Well, it couldn't have started any worse with poor old Jack LeBrock um, lasting barely a kilometre before his engine seized up in first practice on uh, on Friday uh, with a with an oil pressure issue. But um, they, they built into it eventually. I think there was sort of contrasting performances. Todd Hazelwood really came out firing in the, um, the 99 car and then he sort of tailed away over the weekend, whereas Jack LeBrock sort of went opposite and sort of progressed further towards the front um, over the weekend. So uh, that was a bit interesting. Um, uh, the best finish for Erebus across the weekend was uh, Jack LeBrock finishing eighth in race two. Yeah, so it could be better. <laughs> Definitely not a podium anyway. It, it could be better, but then again, you've got two new drivers at, at, at the team, right? Like It would be something pretty special for them to come out and ca- come out firing straight away like Will Brown did. For sure, for sure. Um, let's take a look at uh, Anthony's bowl prediction from the weekend. Richie Stanaway comes out of the blocks and gets at least one podium. Well, these podium guesses. Well, we haven't done real well there, have we? 
Uh, none, none from two so far. But he finished fourth on Saturday. It's close. Like he was, he was impressive, and he was quick straight out the gate too. Until he fenced the thing in practice two, I think it was off the top of my head on on uh, Friday. But was, I mean, I asked the question in pre-season: which Richie Stanaway do we get? Do we get reinvigorated Stanaway, or do we get disillusioned Stanaway? And I think we've got reinvigorated Stanaway, who's fourth in points, leaving Bathurst. Yeah, exciting stuff. I mean, I really hope. Uh, well, that Grove Racing team. They're, they're not here to mess around, and they were kind of touted to be one of the highest risers. We saw them at the end of last year. Um, was it four podiums in a row from David Reynolds towards the end of last year before he left that Mustang? Yeah, it was. But not only have Grove Racing invested into their team as well, they've invested into their wider workshop space because one thing that is up at the end of the year is the Ford homologation team. And Grove are trying to get it off W. Uh, off DJR and are also fighting WAU in the process. So they want to come out nice and strong to make sure they can try and get a handle on that so that they can move forward with homologation into next year. I think just quietly, DJR would be more than happy to pass it along given where they're at at the moment. Yeah, well, they recently, we talked about it last week too, DJR recently took on the engine, um, the Ford engine program as well. So maybe a little bit too much on their plate. Well, it was too much on their plate last year, wasn't it? And now, now they've added more. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, but Ryan's story's back, so maybe you can handle it. Um, but on the note, let's check out our final bowl prediction and uh, let's see how Zach went. Todd Hazelwood silences the critics and leaves the championship top five in points. Uh, yeah, no. Yeah, I was, I was a bit wider than Mark with this one. I, I thought Erebus were going to come out firing, but as I said before, maybe expected a little bit too much of the two guys um, of JLB and uh, Todd Hazelwood uh, at, for their first weekend at a new team. But hey, that's why they're bold, you know? That's why they're our bold predictions. It's like the roulette wheel. Sometimes, well, it's probably not as good as a roulette wheel in terms of returns, but <laughs> we make them for entertainment uh, but on that note of Erebus because we Zach both you and I thought they were, they were going to have do a better job um, there was a pretty than what they did I should say there was an interesting interview um, that Supercars put out with uh, both Barry and Betty um, first thoughts? Um, yeah there's a I mean there is some there are some bits to unpack from it obviously the big thing they can't speak for Brody, so the questions about Brody are still very much no answer. We're respecting his privacy, but um, it does seem to be getting to them all the um all the social media backlash in particular, and especially Barry Ryan, which um I mean, as someone who, as Betty said, he, he has a heart of gold. Um, as much as we don't, we might not see it as when Barry's at work as CEO of Erebus at the track, but um, you know, Barry's got a family to worry about, and um. Yeah, you can understand how it's such a tough time for for Barry in particular, and I mean also also for Betty. Like she's put so she's put her heart and soul into this team, and she's just climbed to the peak of Australian motorsport again after winning Bathurst in 2017 with Dave Reynolds and Luke Yordan, and to have it all sort of to have it all fall away at the end of the season the way it did. Um, yeah, you can imagine that it's tough for them, but um. As, as they say, it's business as usual at the racetrack, and um, they've got two good young, two good steers in Jack LeBrock and Todd Hazelwood, and I'm sure that as the season progresses, we'll see those Erebus cars um, up towards the pointy end once again. I mean, obviously, it's you know you can't make any real, I guess, judgments or anything from that uh, conversation or that interview, but I thought it was a nice humanising story anyway. Like 
at least for one side. Anyway, mate, was a PR? I don't know, but it was good to at least hear from them, and they're not hiding away from it because I don't think they could. It's the biggest story before the new season. Um, yeah, so they couldn't really do much about that. Hey, shall we go into our locks? Yes, let's do it, and we'll start again with you, Josh. Let's have a listen. A Mustang will win a race this weekend. Yep, put them back on the dyno, boys, because parody's back on the cards. Hey, you did end up with two podiums, though. A second and a third across the yes, weekend. Yes. Chaz Mostert was uh, in fine form, and he actually looked like he was back enjoying being in the race car again. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but hey, to be fair, I don't think anyone was going to catch those Red Bulls that weekend. Chaz was the only one with half a shout. Um, but yeah, there was only really like three guys that looked like they were going to do anything. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I digress, but I think we'll touch on that later when we come to our um our three, two, one uh our driver rankings for the weekend. Um, but, but yeah, you, you you did come close. Um, I mean, I think Chaz and WAU sort of worked their way around it by building a car that was lightning quick across the top of the hill all weekend, and it seemed to work for them. Um, yeah, I, I hope I hope Chaz has got his mojo back because it'd make for a fun championship. Let's go on to the next lock. Uh, let's see how Zach went. Brock Feeney gets redemption for his October heartbreak. He comes away with at least one podium. I mean, I think I played the game a little bit here. You wanted a lock prediction, so I gave you a lock, and he came out and absolutely crushed everyone on Saturday. And um, dare I say it, he probably could have done it again on Sunday had he not um, run into James Golding on the opening lap. Sure. I'm going to uh, precursor this by going, I was a little bit silly and I forgot the uh, the format for the weekend, that it was two 250-kilometre races. I thought there was more races for some reason. I don't know. Um, maybe it was wishful thinking because I'm like, oh, most supercars weekends are three three races. So, yeah. I try to play the game safe too, but I obviously didn't. No, 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 no. Not this year, they're not. Three-race three, three race weekends are gone apart from the Grand Prix, which is four. Is, is this half the problem? Right, like I am engaged in this sport, and I didn't know that, or it wasn't the first thing that come up. Is this this is a problem? I always found it a problem flip flopping um, things like this. Well, well, all all weekends now, apart from the Grand Prix and the two enduros, are two races. So like Super Sprint and the Super Four Hundred format as well, and also the Super Five Hundred. Um, I do feel like supercars could better explain their formats a little bit, but. And just stop messing with them. Well, yeah, exactly right. Like, the Super Sprint formats now is two 60-minute timed races on both days. Woo. Yeah, so we get rid of one race start for for theoretically more racing. But we saw with Super 2 over the weekend, um, timed races doesn't exactly mean it's going to be clean. Yeah, well, we're digressing. We're getting off topic. Um but yeah, because we will run out of time if we continue to do that. Um, but I do agree with you. Uh, Zach, Anthony, you had some locks. Were they any good? Let's roll back the clock and find out. The pit lane order will not stay the same between now and Perth. Thank you, boys. I'll take my one point now. That is disgraceful from you. That's an absolute... It's like saying that the sun's going to come up tomorrow morning. It's a lock prediction. What else was I supposed to do? <laughs> yeah, but it wouldn't be fun if you picked all the boring ones. Yeah, Josh could take notes. All right, my next week's lock's got to be a wheel is going to go on the wheel nut in the pit stop. or pit, Yeah, yeah, a wheel's going to get changed at the pit stop. No, but you could say that if it's car six, right? Because it didn't happen on Saturday. No, but he could say that because we're going to the Grand Prix next weekend and there's no pit stops 
well, not next weekend, but no, uh, next race weekend, we're off to the Grand Prix and there's no actual pit stops. So we could make that lock and then still not get a point from it. <laughs> oh, I love it. I mean, given that, given that you've invested so heavily in our predictions this year, Josh, I was expecting better from you. It's been a great investment. Yes, it looks like it's censored on our screens. Oh, does it? Yeah, it doesn't come up. It gets blurred out. Yeah, now... That's because it's just so dangerous and not safe for work. That's. I say, it, it's it's going to sound really sus on an audio format. You're holding up something that's blurred. <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> Take a guess at what it is in the comments. For those who did miss out, uh, it is up on our pit lane punters socials from last week's episode, where Josh explained that he's invested heavily into the podcast and bought a new trophy for our. I invested. Yes, sorry. <laughs> no, but that's all part, part of the fun and games. Um, right, well, we are going to run out of time if we don't just get motoring on. Ha, see what I did there. Our, 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 um, our three, two, one. Should we talk about them? Let's do it. All right, let's start. Who wants to go first? Anthony, you want to start? Uh, I won't start because I've got to pull them back up again. All right, oh. Well, I can, I can start then, boys. I mean, speaking about taking the easy road, uh, one point for me, Brock Feeney came out and did what we all expected him to do, right? The quasi-team leader at at Triple Eight now that Shane Van Gisbergen's gone. He's he's come out a first and a third, a pole position. Um, he annoyed Peter Adderton. Um, he had just about the perfect weekend, really. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Hashtag uh, Hatgate. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no. Feeney came out and did what we expected him to do, right? So he gets my one point. Uh, two points for me, Will Brown. Um, super impressive um, super impressive weekend um, for your first time at Triple Eight and to come out with the championship lead too, not too shabby. Um, won the race on the Saturday, on the Sunday rather. Um, finished second on Sunday. Oh, oh my God, I've done it again. Finished second on Saturday. Um, yeah, no, super impressive again from Will. Triple um, Eight looked like they had the team to beat in the team's championship, as um, I believe I might have predicted before the weekend. Um, and three points for me go to Chaz Mostert, who might very well have his mojo back, I think. Um, he said the car was the best it's felt under... Um, in uh, This this Gen 3 car he was driving was the best... It, the best car he's ever driven in the Gen 3 era. Um, he's got a new engineer on board this year. Of course, Adam DeBore has left to um, become team principal at AIM Motorsport in Super 2, uh, Canberra's own AIM Motorsport. Um, he's now got Sam Scafidi on board, um, James Courtney's former engineer from Tickford. Um, and that partnership's, come, um, that partnership's come out all guns blazing. And across the top in particular, Chaz was just wheeling that thing so hard. Um, super duper impressive. And... Um, I really hope this is the year that um, the stars align and Chaz can finally fight for a championship. So Chazzy Mostert gets my first uh, three points of the season, boys. Fair enough. Fair enough. Top Mustang as well. By a long shot. For the weekend. Yes, by a long shot. Um, Anthony, have you got yours up or would you like me to go? All right. He's on mute. That's okay. All right. Sorry, I forgot that. Yeah. (laughs) That's all right. Well, my number one. <clears throat> oh, sorry, not my number one, but my one point. Nick Perkat, Matt Stone Racing. What a resurgence from this bloke, you know. Um, Matt Stone Racing, of course, we talked about a little bit earlier on. Straight out of the gate. Um, I mean, he didn't go have, like, an amazing, like, he didn't get in the podium or anything crazy like that. He just had a good, consistent weekend. Two top tens um, and just a fast race car. Is BJR Nick back, boys, do we reckon? Maybe, maybe. Hanging around the MSR garage for a bit, uh, across the weekend, just popping in and saying good day when I could. It definitely looked like 
the Nick from previous years ago. Maybe not WAU Nick that we came to, to know last year and the year before, but potentially BJR Nick is back and he's found a new home at uh, Matt Stone Racing. And I can confirm on the dog front, because we didn't cover it last week, that Arlo and Nelson, the two favourite dogs of the paddock, have not yet had the chance to meet. Oh no! Everyone was everyone was thinking it. They were wondering. Well, we did also say that it was an absolute crime that uh, we didn't um, ask Cam Hill last week, friend of the podcast, about Arlo. So we do apologise, Anthony. That's why we need you around, mate. Ask the big hard hitting. I made up for it over the weekend. Yeah, Anthony, with the hard hitting journalist questions here on the Pit Lane Punters podcast. Um, and back to my three two ones. Um, my two points for the weekend. Uh, Chaz Mostert. Great weekend overall. Um, fastest Mustang by Country Mile. The only one who really looked like he could challenge the Bulls. Um, and talking about the Bulls, my three points goes to Will Brown because what a stellar weekend. First weekend with a brand new team and to come out. And I guess over the course of the weekend, if you look at the championship results, um, I had Brock Feeney's number. I think it's going to be a very interesting battle um, between those two this year. And who's the team leader? You know, there. You know, I'm sure they're equal at the moment. Brock Feeney historically has had, um, he's been there longer, but Will Brown is older. So it'll be interesting to see how that battle plays out this year. And I'm really excited to see it. Well, quickly before I go into mine, Jamie said it on Sunday night uh, post race. He was asked a question in the press conference about having two young blokes up and coming on the rise. And we've seen previously that what two stars at Triple Eight. Um, has been who have both been in the championship fight rather we've seen how that's ended uh, a couple of years ago with J-Dub and SVG as well so he was asked about that and he said well at the moment it's the beginning of the year we'll let them race Uh, if we need to make decisions towards the end of the year then that'll come in due course but for now these two are going to go out and do their best week in, week out, and we'll see what comes of it. Their main priority is to stay at the front of the pit lane order. Let them cook. Yeah, I mean, it's all well and good until they fence each other, though, right? And, I mean, you look at how evenly matched they were across the weekend. Um, man, pretty short odds for that to happen at some point this year, isn't it? For sure, yeah, for sure. But it's going to be a great season, um, if anything. Uh, I do like the whole let them race because, I guess, even if, the two Red Bulls are out in front. They're going to be battling each other. So it'll be interesting to see how that one goes. Um, Anthony, time for your three, two, ones, mate. Yes, well, I've unmuted myself and I've written them down so I know where they are. Uh, but my one vote this weekend goes to Thomas Randall. Not the greatest Saturday for him, but he bounced back uh, strongly on Sunday, both in qualifying and the race. And to get a, a nice fourth place finish showed that both he and Tickford, yes, Tickford, not the greatest sun, uh, Saturday, but... Is a two-car Tickford better than four-car Tickford? I think we're seeing the early signs of that. We saw the early signs of that last weekend on the car 55 side of the garage. Two points goes to Chas Mostert, as the both of you have already mentioned. It was a, a fabulous weekend for him in car 25 at WAU. He's got a new young teammate who's come across from Super 2 in Ryan Wood. Not the greatest weekend for him, unfortunately, as a debut season. But I saw the two of them working closely together, and I think that's going to be a really strong mentor relationship for Chaz this year. He looks like he's a bit more mature, 
and just going to help Ryan grow into the sport and we'll see good things from him. Fun fact, boys. Uh, Ryan Wood's become the first driver since 2016 to record a DNF in his first two supercar starts. Who was the one before that? It was James Golding when he was a co-driver at Volvo. Of course, you think back to his first start at the Sandown 500. That that was when the tyre let go and he had that enormous shunt at the sweeper. And um, this, and at Bathurst, um, the engine let go, uh, big style, Batmobile spec. That is a fun fact. I didn't know that. I wish I could claim it as my own. Um, uh, to the team at V8 Sleuth, good job. Uh, credit where credit's due. I like that. All right, and who got your three points, Anthony? Uh, three points for me this or weekend just gone. Uh, it goes to Will Brown. Leads the championship. Was almost... Um, a cl- Well, not almost, but was the clubhouse leader, but was uh, almost... Un- I can't think of the word. Had no errors. Um he was unflappable. Yeah, we'll go with that. Unflappable, um, unfaultable. Even uh, we c- couldn't fault him. Um, he, yeah, won the race on Sunday. Obviously, the the second place on Saturday leads the championship. I couldn't think of a better opening weekend for a team. For sure. All right, Zach. Where does that give? Run us the numbers, mate. Cook the numbers. Where are we at? Where are they all going? All right, so. After the Bathurst 500, it is Will Brown leading our Driver of the Year points on eight votes, Chas Mostert in second on seven, and then Brock Feeney, Thomas Randall, and Nick Perkat all on one point. Thank you, statistician Zach. The man loves his spreadsheets, and we love him for it. Um, shall we move on to... Did we, well, do we want to touch on quickly because we are going to run out of time very quickly. We do have to, some international motorsports to talk about. Uh, Super 2, full Super 2. What, what was with that? They didn't even have one racing lap in one of the races I saw. On Saturday's race, there was a total of one and point, 1.25 green laps of running in a whole 40-minute race. Uh, they, didn't even, they, didn't, they never completed a full lap, did they? It was, it was safety cars. No, that was, the combi- that was the combined off the three restarts of where they got to. They got to the top of the mountain once. They got to the top of the mountain again. And then the third time they got to the exit of the cutting. So not even past the first sector the third time by. Yeah, Saturday was um, about as bad a championship start as you could have possibly had for um, most of Super 2, um, excluding one Kai Allen who um, won both races, 300 points, maximum points from the weekend. Uh, Aaron Cameron came out second for the weekend, which is a huge result for the um, for the revitalised and revived Kelly Racing outfit. Um I've noticed people have come out and said it's a shock result. Um, it's it's not a shock to me. That boy can steer, and he can steer anything. So um, I'd love to see nothing more than Aaron Cameron um, put out a um, put up a championship fight in Super Two this year. Um, just yeah, say what you want about me being biased towards Speed Series and TCR and whatever, but I don't care. Um, and then uh, Brad Vaughan uh, rounded out the podium for um, Tickford. Um, uh, well, whilst the Tickford Supercars team w- w- weren't um, too red hot, a Tickford Autosport in Super 2, um, third, fourth, and fifth in the Super 2 standings at the moment. Yeah, I saw it over the weekend firsthand. I thought Ryland Gray was really impressive in a, a debut weekend for uh, a Super 2 car. He won the Rookie of the Round in that category, and he was just... Uh, Another one with an unflappable performance. Kept it clean both days, uh, didn't get caught up in other people's mess and was pretty quick 
in quality as well, which helped because he was further up the front. Very experienced overseas as Ryland Gray, which is remarkable when you consider the fact he's still only 17 years old and the youngest driver in the field. Um, yeah, I think the Tickford have got one in Ryland Gray. Um, we should also touch on our local drivers too. Um, Zach Bates, um, second in race one, um, looked really solid and then unfortunately had a coming together with Cooper Murray in the second race that saw him demoted to the back of the field. And um, AIM Motorsport, oh man, what a weekend they had for the first time running more than one car and running three cars. Uh, Zane Morse was in a fair bit of strife. I think all three of their cars were caught up in some sort of incident on Saturday. Um, uh, Jet Johnson piled into the pileup, which was uh, triggered when Zane got uh, turned around by Cameron Crick. Um, and then James Masterton didn't even make the grid with a clutch issue on, on Saturday, but um, they recovered eventually. All three cars made it to the start on Sunday, but um, a, a very, very tough weekend for the guys at AIM Motorsport and not helped by the fact that um, some of their rear suspension uprights were um, were stolen from their garage and um, New South Wales Police still looking into it. So... Yeah, talk about a, a a rubbish weekend at Bathurst. That's yeah. I, f- I feel sorry for poor old Adam Debore who's having his first weekend as a team principal. It happened during practice one. The team left the bays from practice one, and then were out in the pit lane. And between well, that forty minute session, so by the time they go to the dummy grid and whatever, you're probably an hour away from the all the setups and things. But the fact it was like. It, it wasn't the arms that were just left out or anything. Like, people went and actually just took a tub. I don't know if they know at the time what was in that tub, but they just decided they were going to take a tub. So talking to team owner uh, Andre Morse on uh, Saturday night when I got the chance to catch up with him, he was, uh, yeah, far from displeased that that had happened and then was then looking for looking ahead to a, a long night of rebuilding race cards, which I think they left the track at about half past two on Sunday morning. Yeah, it's, it's just the lowest of low acts, isn't it? Like, if you go to a racetrack, don't steal stuff from teams. Like, you feel like that stuff should go without saying, but eh, you've got to wonder about some people sometimes. For sure. And then on the, on that note, uh, shall we move into some, some rally news before we head overseas? All right, cool. Let's do it. Well, 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 boys. Some big news today on this week uh, for Australia. And uh, if you're a fan of fast little hot hatchbacks going off-road and over jumps really quickly, and that news is, Anthony... The World Rallycross is coming to Australia for the first time. That is uh, very... Uh, very exciting stuff. Um, do they have a venue at all yet, locked in? No, the location is to be confirmed, but it will be coming to Australia on the 30th of November and the 1st of December. So once all the other Australian motorsport is wrapped up for the year, we'll have one more racing event. That's really cool. Can anyone enter? I don't know much about the World Rallycross Championship. I used to be over it a little bit more, but kind of one of those FIA world categories that flip-flop change and never find a bit of stability sometimes. Um, it, can anyone enter it, or do you have? Or is it like a world category where like it's their set drivers and they go all around the world? Like, is there anything stopping an Aussie from jumping in a, a hotted-up V-dub Beetle and going around? Um, apart from the fact that I don't believe any of those cars are in Australia, um, no. So, um, the, the way I believe it is a bit like um, it's the World Championship brings over their teams and their drivers and their cars, etc., etc. But um, something really cool about the World Rallycross Championship is a sort of a, a blend of two different types of cars. So, they've got the fully electric 
um, uh, World Rallycross cars, and they actually compete against um, internal combustion cars this year. It's sort of a battle of the technologies with the um, the internal combustion cars powered by uh, sus- or fueled on sustainable fuels. So that's going to be a bit. That's going to be quite fun, actually. I think. For real, I knew they had the um, electric. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, rally cross cars i didn't know they were competing against each other this year in the same class yeah from from what i was reading this year is the first year that they're actually um in the same field competing against one another tell you what i'd rather an electric one to be honest the torque in those things they're only short distances to those races you're probably not wrong but internal combustion is just so much more fun oh of course of course but i'd be very intrigued to see how that one plays out like the old battle of the the technology in that regard that's really cool i didn't know that and it's all coming to a head in australia because we're hosting the final round that is so hopefully we get a championship decider like we had in the arc last year that was in canberra that was a championship decider who knows we could have the championship deciding world rally championship here come the end of november speaking of championship deciding you can have the you can have the car that won the Australian Rally Championship last year now. It's it's up for sale, $300,000, and you can have yourself a, a lovely Toyota Yaris AP4 car that's also a very good car in a wedding train. <laughs> yes, of course, Harry Bates getting married uh, in the off-season, and those guys will be running, both Harry and Lewis, uh, for the Toyota Gazoo racing team. Uh, here we had a chat with them on the podcast last year, uh, as well before their championship deciding uh, battle here at the uh, the Rally of Canberra. Um, yeah, they've got the new Rally 2 Yaris's that have been... Well, one's been delivered, we believe, um, but they'll both be running the Rally 2 Yaris this year in the ARC, um, is my understanding. Yes, they will be. So Harry will get the first taste of it, being the championship winner. He gets it uh, for round one, uh, but unfortunately there isn't a second one coming to Australia in time for round one, so Lewis will get his uh, Rally 2 Toyota Gazoo Racing Yaris for round two of the championship a bit later in the year. So his car's not for sale yet. I'm kind of excited to see this one because we were chatting to them last year on the pod uh, about the difference between the two, the AP4 and the Rally 2. My understanding, it was just gearbox, was it not? Because they were already running the Rally 2 engines in in their AP4 Yaris's. The AP4 is having six speed and the Rally 2 is having five speed. I mean, I don't know the difference, but like like the major difference, but why would it be better off having a... Was um, it just because the car's more newly developed? Is that why Rally 2 is a better option than what they were previously running? Um, oh, I'm, I'm not too sure, honestly. Um, I, I'm with you. Or is that an overly technical question for us? At this time of night, yes. Um, no, I, I, I do agree, though. It'll be actually really interesting to see... Uh, how the Rally 2 and the AP4 um, Yaris compare on the same roads. Um, that's actually kind of going to be an, an exciting story to follow, I, I think. Um, obviously, there'll be the caveat of um, Harry will still be sort of, you'd imagine he'll still be tuning and sorting out the Rally 2 spec car for Australian conditions because they're very different from the European conditions that the, um, the Yaris Rally 2 car has been running in. Uh, this season with um, a bunch of private entries in um, the World Rally Championship in the Rally 2 class. So um, it'll be interesting to see, um, I think. My thoughts are on it too, that they can then take those Rally 2 cars and if there's other events in New Zealand and maybe even uh, an FIA World Rally Championship event overseas that they want to do throughout the year, that they can take their cars with them. They don't have to find a car overseas to race in. Or if they do have to find a car, they're used to the material. 
yeah, going to be interesting to see what those guys pull off. And, uh, I mean, you can see them here in Canberra for the first round of the Australian Rally Championship uh, in April 5th to 7th. I know we haven't gotten up to promoting that yet, but I just thought it'd be a nice little easy thing there if you're listening. First round of the RC in Canberra uh, this year. But, hey, let's move on to the Rally 1 because... I think it was Har- uh, Lewis Bates, I saw a video, was driving a Rally 1 car. Um, he was just playing around with it overseas. Um, but there's some news in Rally 1 where they're dumping the hybrid system. Is that is that, is that what I'm hearing? There's nothing like internal combustion, Josh. That they've No, 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 don't say that. Um, yeah, they are dumping the hybrid, and I believe it's in an attempt to attract more manufacturers to um, sort of join in and not have to worry about the technology that comes with having to attach a hybrid to... Um, their Rally 1 car, so we still get to see the absolutely crazy wings that they put on the Rally 1 spec cars. Um, There was a lot of conjecture about whether Rally 2 would sort of become the top class in rallying as a whole, which they're much cheaper cars, they're easier to run, you would imagine, but um, now imagine the Rally 1 cars would become easier to run without the hybrids, so um, yeah, an interesting development. Yeah, watch this space if you're a rally fan, and um, obviously we'll talk about it uh, as the moment comes to part. But I guess now it's time to... uh, There's been a lot of world news, world motorsport news kicking on, so I guess let's have a quick chat about that um, before we wrap up for the show. So here we go. All right, international news in motorsport. I know we touched on a little bit earlier, a little bit of, um, I guess, rally stuff, but uh, the Giz in NASCAR... Well, NASCAR in general, big weekend, and the Gears managing to uh, get a, a top five. Turns out Shane Van Gisbergen's a very good race car driver. Who knew? Yeah, for sure. And uh, I mean, I found it weird that they're calling them podiums in NASCAR these days. They're always top fives to me, or is that just the Australian media doing its own thing so people can understand here? That that's the Aussies very much doing their own thing. It's very much still top fives, but it's a top three finish. The Americans call it, but um, yeah, Shane kept his head on his shoulders when everyone else decided to play the gauntlet with fuel strategy late in the race as it was going into overtime at Atlanta in the Xfinity Series. Um, Shane decided to come in for fuel, and surely, sure enough, when the green flag flew for a two lap sprint to the finish, about three cars ahead of him all ran out of fuel, and Gizzy went from ninth to third at the end, and. Um, if the first two cars ran out of fuel, he was in prime position to sweep by and take the win in his second Xfinity start. And that, let alone, it's on an oval. Uh, this guy hasn't driven ovals, and he's already finishing third. Um, he's top ten in points too, from memory. I think he's ninth in points overall in Xfinity. So, um, for, what else is there to say about the guy? He's he's a phenomenon. He he's probably the most talented driver we'll ever see in our lifetime. And it's just so cool to see him kicking on over in America. And I've noticed in a, a relaxed personality from Shane. He's come out in recent weeks. I don't know how recent the podcast episode was that he's done over there. But he was asked about the, his thoughts on the off-track scene in NASCAR. And his response was that Talladega Nights isn't a com- comedy. It's a documentary. Yeah, that's true. That's kind of how I feel about NASCAR a lot of the time. But I don't think we would have seen that from Shane over here. I feel like he's opening up more overseas um, and he's enjoying his racing and we'll definitely be seeing him in the playoffs come the end of the year, I dare say. That That's the big thing that his team's saying at Colleague Racing is like the amount of times he's jumping on the radio and saying, oh man, this is fun. Like, And 
a lot of people said the Xfinity race at Atlanta was an awful race to watch because everyone just went single file for the majority of the race until it was time to decide a winner. Um, so, yeah, huge for Shane. But then, unfortunately, it all got overshadowed by what happened the following morning in the cup race with an absolutely phenomenal three-wide photo finish. Have you ever seen anything like that, boys? I have. Yeah, I have too. Um, I was going to say, you think Talladega Nights is a documentary? Well, Pixar Cars is more of a documentary. I believe the year was 2006 when it last happened. And it was the battle for the Winston Cup. Piston Cup. Piston Cup, that's right, yep. And, and one of the cars stuck his tongue out to win. I was just waiting for that to happen when I was watching the race last Monday. And that, that same car that stuck the tongue out avoided the big one, the big wreck, at Wish Version Martinsville Speedway, or Bristol Speedway, I should say. You just can't script this stuff. No, you can't script it at all. Disney, get your pen out. No, well, well, to quote um, a, some, a famous commentary line from the 2003, the real NASCAR Cup Series, um, the, the finish at, um, at Darlington where it was Ricky Craven and Kurt Busch beating and banging to the line in the closest finish in NASCAR history. Have you ever? No, I've never. It's, what a fantastic finish it was. Daniel Suarez got the win. Uh, Shane Van Gisbergen's Quasi Trackhouse teammate by, I think the gap was three thousandths of a second from Ryan Blaney in second. And then I think it was about another thousandth of a second back to Kyle Busch in third. And Trackhouse actually had a pretty good weekend between SVG finishing third in, in Xfinity, uh, Daniel Suarez fin- uh, winning the cup race, and then Ross Chastain finished seventh. But in saying that, he was about half a you know, he was probably about half a tenth behind the winner. So uh, a pretty good weekend for Trackhouse and um, uh, Justin Marks getting things done. One hundred percent for sure. But let's head over to Europe now quickly. Uh, Formula One starts this weekend. Uh, I think you said it to me earlier in the week, Zach. How many laps do you think Max Verstappen's going to win by? Um, the, the most interesting thing about Formula One is it's on a Saturday night, which means it's about 2 a.m. start time in Australia, so that's good. But there's actually good racing happening in Europe this weekend, boys, because the World Endurance Championship starts with the Qatar 1,812 kilometer. No, I'm not making that up. That is that is what it's called. Um, uh, uh, is it a timed race? Uh, I think it's. I think it is a timed race as well as a distance race, whatever comes first. But don't quote me on it. But I think I saw it something to do with some sort of celebration in, in Qatar, and like one thousand eight hundred and twelve is a significant number in Qatar for some reason. Um, don't quote me on it. But they have had their preseason testing as well, or the World Endurance Championship prologue, um, run across four sessions during the week, um, and unfortunately got delayed by um, the shipping dramas that are happening in the Red Sea with the Suez Canal being the Suez Canal being closed. But um, Porsche looked really strong in the prototype class. It was the uh, Hertz Jota car that topped the first two sessions, and the number five Porsche Penske Motorsport car. Uh, topped the the final two sessions, and the number five car is the car that Matt Campbell has been drafted into for this season. So maybe Matt Campbell's just a good luck charm in 2024, just like we are to Cameron Hill this season, apparently. <laughs> the year of Cameron Hill. Hey, I just did a quick Google, and I know why it's called the 1812 kilometer race. The race is named after the date of Qatar National Day, which is uh, 18th of December. Yeah, so that's why, and it's and it's held in February or March. Make make sense of that, please. Make it make sense. Um, <laughs> also, we sh- also we sh- 
should also mention in World Endurance Championship, Matt Campbell's not the only Aussie on the grid this year. Um, Yasser Shahin's in for the full season in um, the GT class. Um, GTE is now out of uh, WEC. GT3 has come in in LM GT3 style. And uh, Yasser Shahin, he's now got a brand new, uh, a newer generation 992 Porsche, um, like the car that won the 12-hour a few weeks ago. And he's alongside uh, Richard Leitz and uh, Morris Schuring, two very strong Porsche factory drivers. Um and yeah, so Shaheen driving for his um, team that he drives for in Australia in Manti EMA. I think it's worth noting too, um, Toyota, the hypercar, it's got a new, it's not white anymore. Uh, yeah, Toyota Gazoo Racing globally have changed their livery from the white, um, the white base with the red and uh, black splashes, and now it's just a matte black base with a big GR logo slapped across the side. It's um, look looks stealthy, but um. The, the, judging by their performance in the prologue and what they've come out and said in media, um, hasn't helped their on-track performance all that much. Oh, maybe they need to shed some weight and going down the Formula One route. <laughs> Which also hasn't helped our pain all that much. <laughs> maybe they should just whack pain on it after all. Uh, maybe. Well, some fantastic racing this weekend. Make sure you stay tuned for that, both Formula One and the World Endurance Championship. Of course, NASCAR continues on. Uh, but that's probably it from us, lads. Thank you so much for your time this evening. It's a pleasure as always. And we'll see you next time on the Pit Lane Punters podcast. You've been listening to the Pit Lane Punters podcast. Make sure you like, subscribe, follow, and ring the notification bell wherever you get your podcast. And if you get a spare chance, leave us a five-star review. It really helps us in the algorithm. And now, exclusive to Spotify listeners, we've unlocked the Q&A function. So if you have a question about the podcast, how we make it, or just have any motorsport questions in general, we'd love to hear from you, we'd love to answer them, and we'd love to engage with you. That's it from us. See you next time on the Pit Lane Punters Podcast. <laughs>